Welcome to 90% Mental. I'm your host, Grant Parr, and thank you for joining us for our 31st episode. You know, today's episode is going to be about an American coach by the name of Randy Bear, who is the performance coach for the South Korean Olympic team. And he talks about his journey of not only getting this job and how he got the job, but how he dealt with working for another country, also dealing with the language barriers and the different dynamics within the culture. But with his story, you hear this real genuine passion for not only working with athletes, but the connection that he makes and, and has made with the athletes currently with the South Korean team. It's a, it's a beautiful story. There's a lot of energy. Randy talks a lot about his background, how it's helped him to be of value to this team and to this country. So I'm really excited to share this conversation with you and and just give you the opportunity to listen to his story and, and really get into his mind and understand what it's like to be an American coach coaching for another country. So again, can't wait for you to hear this conversation. And so let's go talk to Randy. Hey, Randy, how are you? I'm doing great. Good morning, Grant. Awesome, man. Well, uh, I'm excited to have you on my show. And and it's, uh, it's probably fairly early for you uh, since you're in South Korea right now. That's correct. 8.50 a.m. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate you being on my show. I can't wait to, to share your story with my listeners about how you became the sports performance coach for the South Korean Olympic team and how you dealt with the transition from moving to working with U.S.-based teams to now South Korean teams. So you have a really cool story, and, uh, and I can't wait to share it with, with my listeners. Great. I appreciate the opportunity, Grant. I'm honored and humbled. Awesome. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, I always start off my show with this question, and I love this question because everybody has a little bit of a different answer to it. I always ask, what does mentally tough mean to you? So what does mentally tough mean to you as a performance coach? Wow. Well, I don't have a, a pre-thought or pre-definition out, but immediately what comes to my mind is resiliency. And I know that's a vague term, but kind of someone that uh, is able to bounce back from adversity or um, situations that may not be positive. And I guess furthermore, mentally tough is someone uh, that's kind of comprehensive with, you know, everything from physically, mentally, socially, spiritually. Beautiful. Now, was there ever a time where you coached somebody um... – through a tough time or, or you experienced an athlete that you worked with that was just completely mentally tough? I, I think so. I, um, you know, many of, many of them actually. Well, I don't, I don't recall exact, but this story was very familiar when I, early in my coaching career in California at a uh, Title I low-income and uh, minority school. So that was very common for single-parent families and, and the children, the student athletes were, you know, they were working to provide income to their families, you know, very um, unique situations, single parent, mother, father, you know, not at home, you know, in jail, you know, dead, um, wow. a variety of reasons. So, so some of these kids, you know, we're, we're just very tough from the start, which made it a heck of a lot easier trying to, um, you know, kind of instill that toughness in some of the sports that I'd coached. Got it. Got it. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. 
Well, now that you're the performance coach for the South Korean Olympic team, uh, how long have you been the coach? Here in Korea, Grant? Yeah, yeah. Since November of 2017, so very short period of time. And, and how did you become the performance coach for, for the Olympic team there? Wow, um, long story, um, but I'll try to make it short, Grant. That sound great? <laughs> that sounds good. So I came over here in 2008 as a sports, fitness, and aquatics director for the U.S. government. And I was essentially an athletic director for uh, several Army bases over here and ran all their programming. I had a mutual friend, or excuse me, I have a friend over here, Young Kim, whom we both have a mutual friend from the United States. Uh, Young Kim is the general manager for Korea's Olympic track team. So I was having this conversation since about 2008. Hey, Young, I would love to be involved. I would love to take the country to the next level on performance training. Grant, performance training in 2008 was pretty much null and void over here. It was generally... Uh, general fitness, a small, small version of functional, and I mean small, and a lot of bodybuilder-ish weight room activity. Mm. So there was nothing here, and I kept just in his ear, hey, Young, I could help you. Hey, let's talk. So we continued conversations. We met. We hung out, and I was here until 2012. Nothing materialized. They weren't ready yet, obviously. Went to Georgia uh, for about three years, um, married, met my wife, active duty. We moved back here in 2015, struck up the conversation again, a little bit more positive. Tay Young said, Randy, I think we may be ready. So a couple meetings with him, his supervisor, some of the uh, board members. Uh, we met, we spoke, a uh, little bit of idle time, a month, two months, three months, we spoke. I kept at it, and I don't know, maybe a year and a half later, he calls me up and says, hey, um, can you come in and do a presentation for our president, vice president, and all of our board members? So, boy, that we went with it. I thought I did pretty well. Uh, he confirmed that, and then we had another lunch, and within about a day, uh, I got to receive a phone call and, hey, can you quit your job? Can you come work? <laughs> so um, happened very fast. And, you know, of course, I had to go back, speak to the wife, talk to the future, the past job and see, you know, how how quickly I could do this, what the package was. But it took a long, long time. But when it happened, Grant, <laughs> it happened very quickly. Wow. Now, when they hired you. Because you were saying in 2008 they weren't just ready for this type of role. But when they did hire you and you started to implement uh, your strategy or your program, how did they view your role? Did they view it more as a coach or as more of a fitness trainer? That's a very ironic question. So in my contract and every time, you know, you're kind of, uh, what do they say, like um, uh positive affirmation and, and visualizing. Every time I did a presentation or I spoke, I was always a performance coach in my eyes, and that's what I was projecting. So in my contract, it is performance coach. 
which is kind of funny because I'm the only one because the rest of them over here are called physical trainer coaches. So I wanted to stay away from that and, and kind of present that, you know, I'm actually a coach, not a, not a trainer. And, you know, I've got a a background in, in science and in coaching. So it, it was difficult, but I think from the start, I think because we were very clear that I think that really helped my cause. Awesome. And when you talk about your background, I mean, you have a very uh, wide range background of working with different sports, um, different areas within science. Can you share with my listeners a little bit what that looks like? Well, I think I was lucky, Grant. Um, I was I was born in the 70s, 1970. And around in the 80s, and uh, first year of high school, 84. And so things in the performance field were starting to change. There still was not many exercise science programs that I was aware of um, when I graduated in 88. Mostly what I saw was uh, physical education and specializing in, you know, of course we had to take kinesiology and physiology and coaching and leadership and things like that. So it was kind of like in the 70s when your coaches were all kind of robust in terms of, you know, they knew how to coach and teach and educate, but they also knew the sport. So I think I was very lucky. And then, of course, you know, my initial background was coaching. You know, the first coaching experience I had was in high school, you know, working with junior high baseball kids in the summer, I remember. And a second one was in college when I injured myself, was no longer able to high jump. So our head coach, Paul Wagner, did not know high jumping. So I ended up coaching kind of as a GA. Um, Of course, they didn't really have a lot of GAs back at that time. And so I was a coach. I was an individual sports-specific coach. And then moving on to football, uh, basketball, track and field when I moved to California. Grant, with all that being said, we were a jack of kind of all trades back then. You know, I had a background in, in performance and weightlifting and agility and all these things, but also coaching. So I was able to do both for a while. And, you know, I was able to, you know, get the degree, get a master's and then also some coaching and uh, exercise science, excuse me, performance certifications. And weren't you one of the ambassadors of uh, bringing American football over to, to South Korea? Well, geez, that's a strong word. That's a huge compliment. (laughs) Uh, I don't, I was told it was here for 70 years, but I definitely think that I brought a a U.S. American twist of how we, at the high school and college and even at the NFL, how we, how we practice, you know, how we prepare for um, American football. So in the ideology. So yeah, I think, I think I was maybe uh, someone that took them to the next level, but they had football over here for about, in their defense, for about 70, 80 years over here, which I was really surprised. Right? Wow. Yeah, I didn't know that either. But I can I can only imagine trying to teach the principles and the mindset of American football as of today is a lot different, um, not only when you and I played football back in the day. I mean, it was, it was a different game, uh, different concepts. So... I can only imagine, you know, with their concepts and their principles, what they were used to, 
uh, I bet you came came over there and just uh, provided a completely different approach to the game. I, I did, and I've had some very good coaches in the past. So the first thing I attacked him on was, well, why are we having four-hour practices? So, um, you know, my old coaches, and I've learned from some of the best, and, hey, look, if you can't get it done in 90 minutes, maybe two hours, then then you're doing something wrong. So, right. uh, yeah, that was the first thing that I attacked, Grant. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. When you think of your your role as a performance coach, what does it consist of? Because it seems like there's a lot of things that you do uh, for the Olympic team. It is. It is. And you know what's really great about it, Grant, is it's really forcing me, of course, with the language barrier. Uh, the communication has got to be on point. And it's actually expanded kind of my coaching role. So over here, you know, kind of a little physiologist, kinesiologist, of course, uh, performance coach in terms of uh, weight training, in terms of off-season conditioning. And then with the track background, um, when asked, of course, that's not my role, but when asked, you know, I always inject my opinions on maybe practice time or, hey, the volume of the running or just any other nuances that might come about. Of course, only when asked because I'm trying to be, you know, um, stay within my boundaries. So, and their performance team over here a little bit different. They don't have a full team like we think of maybe of uh, European or or U.S. like you know a mental or sports psychologist, performance coach, uh, technical coach, of course, which they have, but physiotherapist or a um, physical. Uh, physical therapist, ATCs. ATCs are not very common over here. So we have a, a larger, and uh, Western has a larger uh, performance team compared here. So often I find myself uh, doing many, many things, Grant. I can only imagine. Now, when you're working with, with athletes, is it just, is it a, a wide range of different type of athletes, disciplines, whether if you're dealing with a a shot putter, long jump, um, cross country, whatever. Are you a, a variety of athletes that you're working with or is it a particular group? It is, Grant. It's a variety uh, ranging from um, consistently hammer thrower, high jump, uh, sprinters, pole vaulter, and then sporadically I've got um, a hurdler here and there. I've got a couple sprinters here and there and uh, race walkers. So with the weather over here, oftentimes the athletes go to warmer climates, uh, especially kind of the race walkers at Jeju Island and the sprinters in Taiwan. So it's kind of a rotating, but the resident, the resident hammer thrower, high jumper, um, very consistent. So I've definitely have to be flexible and uh, consistent at the same time. Definitely. You know, I'm kind of thinking about, you know, I'm just kind of visioning you there in South Korea and being an American working with a lot of South Koreans. And when you think about the South Korean culture, how different is it when you're developing a competitive mindset within these athletes? How different is the mindset there versus athletes in the U.S.? Oh, boy. 
the mindset. Uh, so the first thing I want to start off is uh, Koreans, uh, Asian in general, are very, probably very technical. Um, mm. They seem to pick up on something. It almost like you can tell them once verbally and show them once, and they can almost uh, mimic it wow. back, almost flawless. I mean, the, intellectually, they are just so so efficient, which is which is wonderful, especially when you're talking science. But uh, so so that's a huge positive. And uh, as far as the uh, mental. Um, mental toughness, you know, I think, you know, it's all individualized, but as a whole, it seems like uh, Western culture, maybe we we have that old mentality of, hey, what does not kill us makes us stronger. Right. I know, I know that is not a good, I know that left us maybe 20, 30 years ago, but we seem to be very um, resilient on that, whereas... I don't know what, in my experience, what I see in Asian, maybe, and I don't know, maybe they're more in tune with their, with, with themselves, with their body, with listening to. So um, they seem to not have the, I don't know how to say this, you know, nicely and convey it, convey it correctly, seem to be more in tune. Like when, when their body is telling them something, they, they listen and they pull back pretty hard. So um, whereas, you know, Western, sometimes we're like, hey, let's just push through this guy. We can do it. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. Well, it seems like that there's more, I don't know what more, but maybe that there's a more mind-body connection. Uh, and I don't know, is that, do you think that's more from a cultural standpoint? Or is it just, do you think it's case by case with, with certain athletes? That's mind-body. That is a perfect connection, Grant. You you hit it on the head. But, but there is... You know, we, you know, we're very Western culture, right? We're impatient. We want things now. And it doesn't matter this generation. I was like that in the 70s. Like when we want something, we want it now. We want to be prepared. We want to be a champion in one week. We, you know, we want things very quickly and we move quickly. You know, I see it now. I, I'm a, I move entirely probably too quickly. Mm. And I see it over here because Things slow down over here. You know, we eat together like I remember as a kid growing up in the 70s, but we all eat together. We spend a good 30 to 40 minutes just chilling. I mean, we're done eating. We're chilling. We're talking. We're laughing, right. which is unusual in America anymore, right? We are eating in the car. We're eating on the run. We've got a smoothie here. We have this. Yeah. And we're going. So um, that's built in. That's that's built into their culture, and it's good. It's good, you know. It, it's of course it's a it's difficult for times to me. I'm like, look, we gotta go. I got things to do. <laughs> right. um, but it's good in the long run. We we definitely find a balance. You know, they've given me a balance, and of course, I've kind of you know urgency. I've told them in some of our workouts, urgency is a must today. <laughs> right. With the family, because uh, I've seen I've seen a lot of pictures with uh, you and, and your athletes, and, and it seems like you guys are always either together or around the table when you're eating. But when you came over, being the American, coming into this program, how do you think they viewed you, and how do you think that you've built the trust with these athletes thus far? Well, good question. So 
this is a long story too. I'm gonna try to make it quick, Grant. I apologize. I'm 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 a talker, buddy. <laughs> no problem. So again, the when I first came over here, it was all about physical trainer. And so they saw us, I think me, what I represented initially, you know, uh, the lay people as just a physical trainer and someone maybe to do some functional training. Whereas I wanted to project, you know, I'm a performance coach. I can help you. What I do is highly transferable to your sport, to your events, and to your athlete. It is very individualized. So that's what I really wanted to project, um, that I'm not just going to the weight room, doing some squats, some power cleans, some lunges, some pull-ups, whatever it may be. But what we were doing was highly uh, specific to the performance. So that's what I projected. Uh, they, I think they at first they they probably thought the same thing as the others but as we go as we went i think they saw the difference grant mm. and so things are going well and initially as you you said how they viewed me we we had a good rapport you know i didn't come in trying to reconstruct their whole program like hey this is the way we do it in america right <laughs> you know this is the right way, the only way. I didn't come in at all. I just kind of offered some experience of what went well with us and and told them why it went well with us and, and actually told them that it may not work over here, you know. Although I knew it would work, but I wanted to, you know, I wanted to downplay it that, hey, it might not work over here, you know, due to a different culture. But all knowing, I knew these things, you know, science proven would work on any population. But I came in very humble. Um, and I came in not really talking about coaching and science initially, to be honest with you. It was, you know, the first week it was, and first probably two weeks was just kind of learning the names, Grant. That, to be honest with you, that yeah. was the most important. I can only, I can only imagine. <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a, uh, a nickname guy. So I had nicknames up with them and abbreviate TK, BJ. Um, I gave them some American names and just trying to dumb, dumb it down for me. So that's really what we did. And then find commonalities, you know, music, sports, you know, what, what sporting equipment you like, you know, do you prefer Nike, Adidas? So it was just, just knowing them, getting to know them and, ultimately you know reinforcing that i cared about them not not so much hey man i'm here to make you a champion because they didn't need me they, some of them were champions national champions and and regional champions and and high level athletes so i told them yeah of course i can help you but i know you must you know the hammer thrower 17 year national champion i know you know what you're doing i know you're successful but I think I can take you to the next level. So a very humble approach. That's great. And I can only imagine, you know, when you got into this role that a lot of, like you said, you were focusing a lot on trust and, and connecting the commonalities uh, to gain the trust. I think the faster you can do that, you know, the better the relationship is, but you can just move faster and you can also create a little bit more urgency when they have your trust. 
I agree. I agree. Now, kind of an interesting question, because I'm, I'm curious, you know, being a mental performance coach in the U.S. and obviously, you know, been an athlete for many years, how does South Korea or the athletes there view U.S. athletes? Wow, good question, because I haven't really asked, but I, but I know in, in, in my world, in the, in the track and field, I think they're pretty revered because some of them actually have trained with our best guys in the world, the Lauren Seagraves, the Brooks uh, Johnson, uh, Jeremy Fisher, uh, Dan Pfaff, um, Exos, some of the best guys in the world. So I think they understand um, our philosophy. And so I told them, I said, God, you guys are pretty unique. And in, in a little, in little terms, you're pretty, pretty lucky. Right. I said, there's so many great athletes in America that never have the opportunity. And I've never had the opportunity to work with those. Uh, you know, we've spoke and, but I've never had the chance to work with any of those mentioned. So I said, Boy, you you're pretty lucky. Those are the best guys, not in the United States, in the world. So I think they revere that. And of course, they see them on TV with with all the commercialized and, and the big brand, right? Yep. Managing and all that. So yeah, I think they put them on on a, on a pedestal. I do. And as far as technology goes, do they have access to the type of technology? that let's just say that the Americans have um, and do you have the technology as well as a coach we uh, yes and no they we have a medical center on here and we have a organization that lives on site called KISS Korean Institute of Sports Science so they have a ton a plethora of videography to you know force output just an extra set of eyes so they do have that i'm not sure if everyone is utilizing it. we utilize it for some of our athletes not all um but but some of them so uh, they do as far as tracking the i guess daily um how would you say that the daily how everyone is feeling that has not hit yet mm. i still kind of use kind of the old-fashioned method of you know, how do you feel um, looking at my percentages, past experience, and then the eye test? You know, I'm, I'm kind of old school, hands on, you know, hey, how do you feel, Yunchul? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you don't sometimes you don't need a, a machine to tell you, look, how do you feel? You, well, coach, I feel great. OK, well, you look pretty good or geez, I'm tired. Well, yeah, you do look very tired. I can tell by your. Uh, dynamics. I can tell by the warm up. I can tell by your mannerisms. So, a combination of everything, I think. But I don't think it's hit. You know, America. Not all um, organizations have hit it, and um, we we use it um, enough to get value out of it. Got it. All right. Good. Well, I'm also interested to find out too about mental performance or sports psychology for the most part. Um, has your program ad- adopted you know, the sports psychology teachings? Um, is it a part of the, the curriculum there or is it, is it slowly you know getting more you know more visibility within the program? I think it's trying to and and that was one of the what I wanted to bring was a performance team grant like, like I spoke about initially of 
you know, a mental coach, sports psychologist, physiotherapist, um, ATC, personal trainer, um, performance coach, medical, just a whole performance comprehensive. So we have one over here. I don't think it's as common in the U.S., but we have one over here, and I know um, at least one of our athletes uses him. Mm-hmm. And he enjoys it. He enjoys it thoroughly. And he's actually a very high-performing athlete and a very young athlete, which surprised me. He's only 21. So I think he gets it. But at the same token, I think the just like in the Western culture, right? Oh, no, you're going to a mental coach or a sports psychologist. What's wrong with you? Right. right. Uh, so <laughs> I think a little bit of that. And, of course, I've been trying to distill that you know i've even told them hey look there are times when i question me myself what am i doing what what's my role in this society what's this role in my world i said there are times when i need someone maybe not a mental code but someone a mentor that i need to bounce my ideas off and get that confidence back and reassurance that okay things are okay this is common so i'm trying to kind of let them know it's okay to be vulnerable it, yeah. it really is and kind of talk through difficult things because, you know, these guys got a ton, even more so Grant than U.S. athletes. They have a ton more in Asia, I believe, than a U.S. athlete from their country. Right. Not so much internal, but from their country. Um, you know, it's like, hey, you're the last Mohican. You're the our last chance of putting us on the map. So. These ladies and gents, they go through a lot of stress. Mm. Well, that's that's funny when you bring up that the stress, because when you look at countries like China and Russia, there's so much pressure that is not only put on the athlete to win, but sometimes they're they're literally shipped off at a young age and they're living in a facility and it's all they're doing. They're doing gymnastics or whatever it is. They are focusing their life on that. Now, with that pressure, do you see that type of pressure within South Korea, or is it a little bit different? Well, I do see the the pressure. I definitely don't think it's like the 70s and 80s. <laughs> right. Uh, but I hate, and I hate the stereotype, you know, the, what I know of the Eastern European countries, and I hate to do that uh, because I don't know it was not there, but just what I've read, you know, and w- what you've seen in the media, but... It's definitely not that, but I do believe it's another level of stress. Um, I think in the Western culture, we internally, I think athletes uh, put more stress. At least I know I hold myself to a higher standard than, than any coach ever did. But I think over here, there's an outward uh, stress of like, hey, when is that record going to be broken? Hey, you must perform well here. And so I do think it's a little bit higher. I really do. Yeah, I can only imagine, you know, and there's, you know, as an athlete, whether if it's, you know, cultural pressures or internal, external, whatever, there's, you know, we I don't care what country you are. If you're an athlete, you're, you're dealing with a lot of stuff, whether if it's internal or not, um, when you're competing. So I can only imagine, you know, the, the pressure, especially especially when you're competing at the elite level, the Olympic level. Yes, I agree with you. Well, you know, going back a little bit on the mental performance, just because, you know, we just, you know, 
you and I were going back and forth, uh, you know, with the Winter Olympics here not too long ago, and you saw like almost every single either athlete or country was some way, somehow was doing something in regards to enhancing their mental performance, whether if they were breathing before their competition. You see a lot of bobsledders that were doing a lot of visualization before they started their competition. You started, you see it, you saw some athletes talking to themselves from a positive self-talk standpoint, and you saw these things, like I, I had so many people come up to me and go, man, I've never seen, you know, mental performance so alive at the Olympics as you were seeing these people and the cameras were catching it. And so the, when I posed the question if South Korea was adopting, you know, mental skills training or sports psychology, I wonder if if there's, uh, and you don't have to answer this question, but I wonder if there's maybe going to be a shift within the culture since there was so much exposure during the Winter Olympics on mental skills training. Good question. I would think, you know, our industry and we're not the only industry. We're a copycat society, right? Right. Uh, something goes well, and you will see a bandwagon of folks jumping on it. So I hope so. And, you know, I've always reinforced my my athletes, too. Hey, look, go talk to the these folks, man. They're nice. And I've met our sports psychologist over here, Grant. Very nice guy. I've talked to him. Very low-key. So I've, I've promoted it. And then, of course... I'm not a mental coach or sports psychologist, but I do a lot of visualization with them in terms of, hey, look, put little little examples of, you know, putting stickers up on your refrigerator, on your mirror, you know, on your desk drawers, anywhere that you can see it of, you know, daily, weekly, monthly, short-term, mid-term, long-term goals of just things that you can see it every single day. So little things like that, I, I think it will change. Um, I've noticed in Asia culture, things change slowly, which mm. sometimes maybe is not a bad thing, right? Sometimes I think Western culture, we, you know, we, we switch around, um, weekly in terms of what's right and what's wrong and what's ideal for performance, right? I think the Asians take a little time and say, whoa, whoa, let's, let's hold on here. Let's make sure that when we make this switch, albeit it might be very a little too slow, but I think they make a conscious effort. Of let's let's think about this first. <laughs> <laughs> let's test it out, right? <laughs> sure. Yeah, I think uh, I think there's some validity to that. I think because there's so much going on in the U.S. with technology, it's it seems like you know it's every other week, which could be an exaggeration, or every month or every quarter. There's something like what's the new flavor of the week, and um, Bingo. and we all try whether if it's you know you know, biohacking or if it's some kind of technology is going to make you run your 40 faster, whatever it is. It's like sometimes we don't even test it. It just sounds good. They put it on paper. It looks good. So let's go try it. Let's do it. You know, where I can see that some other countries will take a little bit more of a, a slower approach just to kind of test it out and, and see if it works instead of just going, yeah, let's, this, this, uh, re this paper says it works. So let's go do it. You know? Yes, Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, it's funny how our culture is because, and I'm here, I'm in San Francisco, so I'm surrounded by technology and I'm surrounded by new things all the time. So I, I see that, that mindset a lot. So and very interesting, very interesting. How have you dealt with the, the transition, you know, working, you know, coming from the U.S., going to South Korea? How have you dealt with that? Was there a transition mentally? Did you have to deal with 
certain things to kind of either fit in or just, you know, be a little more comfortable with yourself or was, or was it just a smooth transition? Well, you know, it, it was uh, undulating. It was uh, kind of a, a little roller coaster, not necessarily in a bad way, uh, just learning learning who I am, Grant, to be honest with you. You know, here I am, 48, kind of set in, you know, of course, my ways, my coaching. And, you know, I think I'm very competent and, and you know, successful what I do. But, boy, it was an eye-opener, like, wow. I'm, you know, I'm learning a lot, not just in coaching, but about myself and, you know, my communication skills, you know, how I portray myself in terms of, you know, body language. And so, you know, just getting to know myself better, Grant, to be honest with you. I know it sounds cliche and I know it sounds kind of soft, but no, it's, beautiful. it's it's been a positive thing all the way around. You know, I'm, I'm thinking when I leave here, gosh, if I can coach here and in, in another area of the world, which is complete opposite of the U.S., not knowing the culture, well, excuse me, not knowing the language, gosh, I feel like I can communicate and coach anywhere. So it's it's been great, you know, and of course I haven't been able to, um, you know, you got to be a realist. You know, I have an idea of what I wanted and I still know where my vision is and I still know where I want to take this country. But I also know that, look, I'm only giving them when I say give, I'm only able to implement a small fraction of what I'd like, but that's okay. I mean, it's a small baby steps. You know, I'm not trying to uproot their philosophy. You know, they got a 10,000 year old, probably culture over here. So they're staying. Randy Bear is leaving sometimes. So I have to remember, look, <laughs> I'm not here to change their world. I'm just here to maybe um, add something to their already successful robust culture and uh athleticism yeah just you're there to enhance it wherever you can yes awesome beautiful beautiful well before we uh we close up here i want to ask you this question you know with your time thus far all the way up till now what is your most memorable moment being the performance coach wow jeez Probably, probably the, the surprise birthday party it has nothing to do with training. Grant, to be honest with you, was the, I mean that was so touching. And I'm I'm kind of an emotional guy and a touchy feely old school kind of coach guy, hug and you know so that was really neat. I I thought maybe they were surprising me. You know they said hey we're going out for dinner tonight. I said oh okay great. Then we get there and they're like yeah it's one of the athletes' birthdays all knowing that I knew it was my birthday, but I didn't tell anyone. Right. And so I was like, wow, okay, what a coincidence. So, you know, the cake's there, and then all of a sudden they look at me, no, it's your birthday, Randy, happy birthday. And I was like, wow. So <laughs> just that was it. That was the highlight. You know, that really kind of solidified my security um, within the athletes, within the coach, within the federation, and, you know, just how they thought of me, Grant, not – I could care less of my coaching methodologies, but just that's what they thought of me as a person. So, you know, it was very touching because, I mean, I'm not from their culture. I'm I'm not one of them, but the way they accepted me was as I was one of them. So that by far was the best moment that I've had thus far. Yeah, I mean, that's I saw I saw a lot of those pictures, but it's 
it's it, it's a great feeling to be accepted, and it seems like not only you know being accepted in the family, you're accepted into their culture, and that's huge. And you you haven't been there that long, so so I can only imagine you know that being one of your memorable experiences. I think that's great. It's awesome. I appreciate that, Grant. Awesome. Well, again, I thank you for sharing your story and your experience. I, I think, you know, as Americans, and I don't, you know, this is generally speaking, I don't want to speak for everyone, but sometimes we don't know what it's like to go over to other countries and, and to coach and, and to share our experiences um, things on things that we were taught here in America. And so just, you know, seeing your bravery going over there and, and dealing with some, some really cool situations and probably some tough situations. It's just really awesome to have someone like you share your story and, and, uh, and just going out there and, and teaching and getting other athletes in other countries, getting them better. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it, Grant. I'm honored and humbled that, that you would ask me and, uh, yeah, I'm learning a lot from this culture, you know, and th- this coaching aspect. So it's a win-win for all of us. And, Grant, keep up the good work and keep spreading the love. (laughs) I will, I will. Okay, see you, brother. You bet. Thank you again.